Hi again, this is Daniel G. Hogan, and welcome back once again to the Magic of Airy podcast, brought to you by magicofairy.com. Last time, Steve managed to gain access to the Temple of Arcana, and inside he found the Staff of Arcana, which would help him on his quest to defeat the Hawk King, or so he was told by the three sisters. The sisters told Steve he was to travel to a castle called Ark's Aquila. After leaving the temple, Steve, Zeroth, and Era found Uncle Shameless trying to teach the Rock Lobster how to sing. Uncle Shameless had tamed the beast and named it Roscoe. Steve asked Roscoe if he would carry the party to Ark's Aquila, above the waters of the Rolk Sea. Stay updated. You can like the podcast on Facebook, just search for Magic of Airy, or you can follow it on Twitter, at MOE Podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Daniel J. Hogan. And now, the next wonderful episode of The Magic of Airy. Episode number 35, Surface. Swim faster, Unala commands you, Unala ordered from the back of the hastily repaired old fertilizer cart. The lackluster craft was being pulled through the water by a very tired Remit and Kaz, who were both swimming to the best of their ability. Kaz, with his webbed swan feet, was having a much easier time than Remit with his taloned hawk feet. This difference in swimming ability led Remit to understeer while Kaz oversteered, which resulted in the cart going in circles most of the time, until Unala yelled at them to straighten their course, which happened about every five minutes or so. Are we any closer to shore yet? You asked Unala only moments ago, and the answer is still the same. No! I don't mind, Kaz said with a wide smile across his orange bill. I like swimming. Remit narrowed his eyes at the large Swanton warrior. You would. What's that supposed to mean? Oh, nothing, only that you're too stupid to know any better. This isn't fun, this is work. Oh yeah, well at least I can swim. Big deal. I'll take flying over swimming any day. Yeah, well I'd take having a fancy lunch with your mother over flying any day. You take that back. Never. Small Hawken dove at the Swanton and began wrestling in the water while exchanging insults. From the back of the old fertilizer cart, Unala rolled his eyes as he stood up. Stop that at once! Unala commands you! He cried, but the two warriors ignored their superior officer and continued fighting. Unala growled as he leaned over the front of the cart to grab the two fighting birdmen. All the while, the dim-witted trio failed to notice an ever-growing rumbling sound underneath the sea. Unala reached out and finally grabbed the shoulders of each of his warriors and banged their heads together. Ow! That wasn't nice. It wasn't supposed to be nice! Unala yelled as he banged their heads together once again. Ow! That still wasn't nice. Silence! bellowed the angered wingmaster. Unala grows tired of your fighting. You two must work together if we are ever to... He paused for a moment and cocked his head to one side. Do you two hear that strange sound? All I hear is a bunch of hot air. No, it is most definitely not hot air, replied Unala, not understanding Ramit's remark. It is something underneath us. Something in the water. Remnant and Kaz waded in the water. They were both silent. I don't hear anything. No, Unala does not hear anything either. Perhaps it was nothing. Now where was Unala? (sighs) Working together. Oh yes, that's right. As Unala was saying, it is important for you two. Right before Unala got to the point of his speech, the rock lobster, carrying the heroes, blasted into the sky from the water underneath the shabby cart. 
The force of the creature's giant head and beak shattered the cart and sent its former passengers flying in all directions. Unala, Remen, and Kaz landed safely in the water with several large splashes and surfaced in enough time to see the rock lobster, with several passengers on his back, fly off into the horizon. The three minions of Fiacra stared at the magnificent beast as it soared through the sky, and Unala did not know what the creature was, but he had a feeling the Hawk King was not going to like hearing about it. And so, the second man says, well, how does he smell? And the first man answers, terrible! Uncle Shamus joked as Roscoe the Rock Lobster soared through the crimson sky. Everyone except Steve laughed. The boy was too busy getting his lungfish off his face. Or at least trying to. After some struggling, he was about to give up. What's the deal with this thing? Having problems? Asked Era. Steve nodded. She gripped the lungfish with her slender hands and pulled with all her might. Stop! Stop! Steve yelled. It felt like his nose was about to be ripped off his face. Era let go and apologized. Great. I'll be stuck with this thing forever. I'll spend the rest of my life looking like a weird elephant boy. Steve heard muffled laughter coming from inside Zeroth's cloak as Gladius laughed at the conversation. Zeroth reached into his cloak and pulled out his irritable talking weapon. I'm glad you find this amusing. After spending a few hundred years locked away, I needed a good laugh. What did you do over all those years anyway? Thought about things. Mostly about Donald and the good old days. That sounds... Boring. Well, I also worked on some rhymes, you know. Would you like to hear one? No, not really. Darkness is my darkly home. Blackness is my blackened cage. Even though it has no bones, a fearsome beast is my rage. Wow. Steve said, doing his best to pretend to be impressed by the senseless drivel he had just heard. How long did you spend on that? Mmm, I don't know, maybe 13 years. I think you should have spent 14. Uh, let's see you find inspiration while you're locked away in a box for a few hundred years. I was going to tell you how to get them lungfish off you, but forget it. Steve quit tugging on his lungfish and crawled over to Gladius. Oh, come on! All right. But on one condition. Anything. Y'all have to listen to my free verse poem. What I did in the dark. You are listening to the Magic of Airy podcast, a free audiobook podcast by Daniel J. Hogan, available at magicofairy.com and through the iTunes Music Store. After a lengthy dose of free verse torture, Steve was happy to learn that all it took to remove a lungfish was a quick tickle to its side. The odd-looking fish let out a raspy laugh and let go of the boy's nose, causing him to rejoice as he breathed in fresh air once more. Everyone else followed Steve's example and removed their lungfish in the same manner. Uncle Shameless asked Roscoe to stop at Dragon's Well so they could return the helpful fish to their small pond. Steve wondered briefly how the lungfish survived out of water for that long. But then, he was slowly starting to learn not to worry about such things while in Airy. Upon arriving back at Dragon's Well, Zeroth and Steve jumped down from the massive creature's back and walked over to the lungfish's home. After returning the squishy fish to the water, Zeroth took Steve aside before they made their way back to Roscoe and the others. Look, um, I'm sorry I yelled at you earlier. The hunter apologized in an awkward tone that suggested it wasn't something he did too often. Steve looked up at Zeroth and could tell the bird man truly meant what he said. His sharp hawk eyes were filled with regret and his expression did not have the usual hardened edge. It's okay, but what did you mean you said I had no idea the kind of trouble you were in? I'm in trouble, kid. Big trouble. 
Because the Hawk King is after us? Zeoth shook his head. Because he knows you for some reason? No, and I don't even know what all that is about. Then what's the problem? The Hawk King filed a formal hunter complaint form dash TB against me, explained Zero. Steve gave him a very confused look. That's bad. Really bad. Why? Because it means that the hunter's headquarters, the lodge, will be very upset with me. I still don't understand. The lodge has zero tolerance for hunters who breach their contracts and commit treachery or betrayal, which I did by helping you. So? So, Zeroth began uneasily as he struggled to find the correct words. It means the lodge is going to... Hey! Uncle Shameless bellowed from a spot on Roscoe's back. Put a wiggle on her, you two. We ain't got it all day. After Steve and Zeroth had climbed on the Roscoe, the mighty beast roared and took flight once again. The rock lobster's speed and strength still surprised Steve, but he was getting used to it. He looked out toward the distant horizon and wondered what his next destination was going to be like. What is this place we're going to, exactly? Arxaquilla. It was the seat of the old Owl Kingdom a few hundred years ago. It's a palace, not too different from Fiacra's Arx Venator. Yes, that's right, added Era. Yes, not since Fiacra usurped Felra's throne. Steve looked over at Uncle Shameless, who was sharing yet another story with Roscoe. Did Roscoe say how long this trip would take? He said it shouldn't take too long. Era gasped suddenly. <gasps> Everyone turned to face her. Except Roscoe, as he was too busy flying. The pelican pointed at the ground below. Smoke and burning buildings littered the scenery they flew over. The coastline and the docks showed that it could only be one place. Tal. What's left of it, anyway? Roscoe's body cast a large shadow over the skeletons of the burned-out buildings of the once-proud Duck City. Looks like a few fires are still burning. Where? asked Zero, as the Birdman scanned the buildings with his hawk eyes. What he saw sent a chill down his spine. Pyrex. Horrible shrieks clouded the air as a flight of Pyrex took to the sky after the rock lobster. I thought we finished them off. Looks like the Hawk King had a few spares. Don't worry, old Roscoe here will taking care of them. Won't you, Roscoe? Uncle Shameless patted the rock lobster's feathery head. Roscoe roared and turned his huge body around so that he was flying toward the approaching Pyrex. I don't think this is a good idea. Steve screamed as Roscoe dove toward a Pyrex. Hang on, everybody. Uncle Shameless advised, a moment too late. Let us know a little sooner, please. The lead Pyrex broke off from the rest of the flight and headed toward Roscoe. Black bones and ever-burning flames blended in with the crimson sunset. It opened its jagged beak and shot a giant fireball toward its target. Roscoe roared and spun to avoid the fiery missile. Steve felt the heat as it blazed past them. Annoyed, the attacking Pyrex flapped its flaming wings and streaked toward Roscoe. The smaller creature had a slight speed advantage over the large and bulky rock lobster, not to mention the four passengers he was carrying. The Pyrex dove underneath its prey and pulled up quickly so that it flew right in front of the rock lobster. What are we gonna do? cried Steve as he watched the flame-covered beast open its beak to use its breath weapon. Before Steve could blink, a powerful stream of fire shot out of the Pyrex's mouth and it aimed right for Roscoe's face. Without hesitation, Roscoe held up one of his lobster-like claws to use as a shield. The stream of fire bounced harmlessly off the tough exoskeleton, and before the Pyrex had time to move or react, Roscoe swung at it with his other enormous pincer, grabbing the villainous creature effortlessly. Roscoe roared as he crushed the monstrous bird with a simple squeeze of his giant claw. 
Back at Ark's Venator, the Hawk King blinked as his magical link with the Pyrex was severed, but not before he had a good look at the Rock Lobster and its passengers. Fiacra slammed the butt of the Spear of Zoo against the floor in his throne room out of frustration, as he had not expected Steve to have the aid of such a powerful creature. The Hawk King relaxed and opened his mind to the surviving Pyrex, in hopes of learning as much as he could about what the boy was planning to do next. I think I'm going to be sick, Steve said as he looked over the edge of Roscoe. Watching the Rock Lobster crush the Pyrex in his huge pincer had been somewhat unsettling. Uncle Shameless reached over and slapped Steve on the back. Ah, cowboy up and hang on tight, he yelled before adding a heartfelt woo. As Roscoe dove toward the three remaining Pyrex, three fiery birds shot up at the Rock Lobster, screaming their horrible scream. I'll fool around there, Roscoe. Let's get a move on to that Archie Ark's Aquila. Yeah, what he said. Roscoe roared again and did a sharp turn away from the trailing Pyrex, flapping his mighty wings to gain speed. The three remaining Pyrex continued their pursuit, screeching all the way. One shot a stream of fire at Roscoe, but he dodged it, much to the discomfort of Steve and his uneasy stomach. We can't have them attacking us from behind, Zeroth said as he stood up. What are you doing? You and Era hold on to my legs. I'll try and scare them off our tail. And just how are you going to do that? Yell at them? Zeroth ignored the boy and pulled out Gladius. Freak show, yelled the swordfish as it scanned the sky with its large eyes and spied the three angry Pyrex. Wings on a swanton, cursed the swordfish. Fine mess you got us into. My, if old Donald were here, he'd have... Infer- it was all Gladius had time to say before Zeroth gave him a hefty squeeze and pulled his shield out of his magical pack. The boy watched as Zeroth tried in vain to scare the Pyrex off by waving his swordfish around. Gladius's sharp blade crashed against the Pyrex's flaming talons, showering Roscoe's back with sparks. Zeroth's battle-scarred shield was able to withstand some of the flames the Pyrex shot at him, but Steve could see that his shield would not hold out much longer and had caught fire. Steve wished that he could help, even though he did not like the idea of standing up while they were flying, since Roscoe did not exactly have seatbelts. Since Steve had lost his swordfish, now all he had was an old stick that was supposed to be some sort of magical weapon. He thought the whole idea of the stick being a magical weapon was ridiculous. He held the Staff of Arcana in his hand and wondered what kind of magic it could possibly possess that made it so special. Red-orange glow caught his attention and he saw one of the Pyrex had broken off from the others and flown around the other side of Roscoe, unknown to Zeroth, as he was busy with the other two. The Pyrex glanced at Steve as flames poured out of its empty eye sockets of its blackened skull. The Pyrex dropped open its pointy beak, ready to shoot a fiery blast at the unsuspecting Zeroth. The air hissed as a stream of fire shot toward the hunter. No! Steve yelled, without thinking, jumped in front of the flames to protect Zeroth. He closed his eyes and thought of something anything that could shelter them from the wicked flames. Abruptly, Steve felt something heavy in his hand that felt like cold metal. He felt the force of the Pyrex's breath weapon, but not the heat. He opened his eyes, and the hand where he had been holding the Staff of Arcana was now something totally different. Steve blinked, not understanding, but he quickly realized that it had protected Zeroth and he from the Pyrex's flames. What the... Steve started to say as he looked over the new item. Zeroth pushed Steve aside and swung his swordfish in the direction of the attacking Pyrex. It had the effect he'd hoped for. The beast flew around the front of Roscoe. The rock lobster made short work of the would-be attacker with a swing of a mighty pincer. The Pyrex exploded after being struck by the giant claw. 
spraying fire and bone all over Roscoe and his passengers. Oh, that's a new one on me, Uncle Shameless said as he beat out the tiny flames around him and tossed shards of bone over the side. I didn't know they could explode like that. We'll have to be careful about that next time. Um, hello? Steve said to get everyone's attention. Can someone tell me why I'm holding a beat-up trash can lid? This concludes today's episode of The Magic of Eric. Please join us again next time. Why is Steve holding a trash can lid? What happened to the staff of Arcana? Will our heroes face more danger on the way to the old Owl Castle? Find out in the next fantastic episode of The Magic of Eric. To help support this free podcast, please use the PayPal donate button on the website at magicaveri.com or buy a copy of the original novel through amazon.com or lulu.com. The production date of this episode was November 2nd, 2010. The Magic of Eri podcast by Daniel J. Hogan and Scary Dice Productions is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 United States license. This only applies to the podcast and not the original novel. Feel free to share this podcast. Written and produced by Daniel J. Hogan. This podcast was produced in GarageBand and Audacity on a Mac. Some sound effects and music are provided by freesound.org. Other sound effects and music provided by GarageBand. For more information or to buy a copy of the original novel, please visit magicofairy.com or danieljhogan.com. And as always, thanks for listening.